In a world where a man loves movies and loves lists and keeps a list of his 100 favorite movies for over 30 years, what if he made his wife watch those movies in order? And what if he made her talk about it on a podcast? Would she like them? Would she hate them? Can this marriage possibly survive this podcast? Find out what will happen in a world called Craig's List. Hello, listeners. We're back. We're back. We only took a week off. Actually, we didn't take last week off even, so we were back last week, and I don't know why I'm, why I'm saying that, but it's good to be recording again. We haven't recorded one in a while because we banked that one before we went across the pond. It's so big for a pond. Pretty big pond, that Atlantic Ocean. <laughs> it's odd that they refer to it as a pond because it's really more of an ocean. Who's they? You know, the colloquial they. <laughs> I, I tell my students as an improv teacher never to use pronouns. And here I am firing pronouns away as First soon as I start. Seconds. First 30 seconds. He, she, it, they, that. Pronouns. Welcome to Craigslist. <laughs> I'm Craig. I'm Carla. And we're so excited to be recording today uh, to tell you about my 86th favorite movie, Man on Wire. Do you know how I wanted to intro this one? <laughs> It's not too late. I wanted to start with, this man is on wire. (laughs) (laughs) This man is on wire. (laughs) Which is like, this girl is on fire. No, I I got that. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. We we have been in talks with Alicia Keys' uh, legal team to try to secure the rights to do a parody of uh, Girl on Fire <laughs> as Man on Wire. And uh, those talks broke down about an hour ago. So Carla- She's very busy yeah, on the voice. We're going to have to, we're going to have to cut out you singing Man on Wire. This man is on wire. <laughs> <laughs> well, Wouldn't that have been cool if the episode had started with just me doing that? Well- I should share my ideas more often. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I asked you before we started recording if there was any way you wanted to start this. It's your thing, babe. I'm just here as a support <laughs> okay. system. Let's talk about our lives for a second. Um, <laughs> did you have a good time in London? I did. UK? It's weird to be back in your parents' house and your sister's bedroom sitting in the same places where, when we were talking about the suite there hereafter the sweet thereafter <laughs> it it was the sweet hereafter now it's the sweet thereafter right. because it's in our past so that would have been what two and a half weeks ago three yeah. weeks ago two and a half weeks ago nine and a half weeks ago i was so <laughs> i was so sad and now i feel really good i might be a little bit of a manic depressive <laughs> okay i don't know if we have time to uh <laughs> to address your mental illness issues uh, on this podcast. I think let it simmer. Let it uh, let it boil gently. My point is I feel much better. Okay, that's after good. After having been on vacation in a different country for a couple weeks. Yeah, do you feel like it, it reset you in, in yeah, some ways? Yeah, totally. Cool. Yeah, I had, a, <laughs> I had a great time as well. Worked with a bunch of uh, British improvisers who were wonderful. Met a lot of new friends. Yeah. And we were in a neighborhood too, so we weren't like in a touristy area of London and we just got to... Walk around uh, a nice area so and go to pubs and restaurants, go to shows. I did so much walking. Yeah. I walked my feet off. They're gone. 
Carla now has no feet, but <laughs> we left them in the UK. And uh, we also went to Bath yes. and Cardiff. Yes. Bath is great. Cardiff, meh. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to all our Cardiff listeners. Okay, well, we just <laughs> lost our substantial Welsh fan base <laughs> on the basis of that meh. Meh. Uh, we'll try to get you back, folks. So we're we're still about, I don't know, 28 days into this 36-day road trip. Yeah. Uh, so we've got about a week left before we're back in Los Angeles. We'll have to record one more of these on the road, but then we'll be back in our home studio with our kitchen, our kitchen <laughs> with Benny and Bronco and, uh, all the regular supporting guests. <laughs> and, uh, we'll, we'll we're going to get some more, uh, LA based guests too when we, when we come back, uh, to the podcast, but, uh, it's been a fun road trip and, uh, this was fun watching this movie with my parents. Yes. Uh, we have some parent quotes, I think. I think we do have some Bob quotes and Martha's quotes <laughs> in addition to the regular Carla quotes. So that was weird. This is the first time we've watched one of these movies with other people. Even though yeah. we've had guests, we've always watched them separately from the guests. That's right. Yeah. So it was... What uh, was the difference for you? I felt a little more um, like I couldn't talk as much as I wanted to. <laughs> Self-censorship, Carla? Yeah. Well, your mom kept shushing your dad every time he said something. So I was like, I don't want him, her to shush me. She wouldn't shush you. I don't know. Yeah, I would shush you. That's my job <laughs> as the man it was kind in the of relationship. Because yeah. he was like, I don't know what he was talking about, but he started saying something and your mom goes, shush. <laughs> Bob, shush. <laughs> Uh, but the, it did have, uh, I guess we'll talk about a little bit about this later. Uh, uh, when the movie ended, like all of us broke into spontaneous applause, yeah. <laughs> which was fun, uh, that my parents, uh, still applaud movies. Uh, first time for seeing this man is on wire. <laughs> no, they'd seen it before. I think. No, for you. When was your first time? Oh, I'm well, trying to smooth, <laughs> smoothly transition <laughs> into the first segment, which is Khaki's first time. Okay. Uh, I think it's called Craig's first time. Okay, fine. Uh, and then we have Khaki Theater. By the way, I don't like it when people call you Khaki. Yeah, why is that? I mean, I like it if it's your old friends, but I yeah. think it's weird it's when... It's my old improv nickname. Yeah, and so it weirds me out when people come up to you and like, hey, Khaki, and you don't really know them, and they don't really know you. <laughs> That is strange. But I blame you, not them. <laughs> for for not nipping it in the bud? Yeah. Okay. Uh, unless you've known me for at least 10 years, don't call me Khaki. There you go. Okay. Call me Mystic Khaki. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Khaki, if you're nasty. Gross. What is Man on Wire, by the way? We should uh, address that. What is it? The what movie? Is, what is... <laughs> Well, we have, we've been throwing out the title, but we haven't really said what oh, yeah. it is. Okay. It's about Philippe Saison. I don't know his name. Philippe Saison. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's about Philippe Petit. Philippe Petit. Philippe Petit, which is French for Lil Philip. <laughs> French for Lil Philip. And, or uh. Philip Little. Philip Little. Phil Little. Uh, it's a 2008 uh, documentary film, uh, and this is one of only two documentaries on Craigslist. 
Oh, and, I can't wait to know what this next one is. And, well, the other one is a concert film. Oh, yeah, not, I know. Don't it, tell them. Okay, it's not really a documentary, but it's a nonfiction film. So this is really the only movie on my list that's uh, that's about a real event. Well, <laughs> I guess there are other movies that are about a real event, but this is the only, <laughs> only one where you uh, talk to the people who were involved in a uh, documentary setting. Right. And uh, this came out in 2008, and it won the Academy Award for Best Documentary that year. It's uh, directed by James Marsh, and it centers around Philippe Petit, who is a wire walker who walked across the two towers of the World Trade Center in 1974. Crazy. It's one of the craziest things that has ever happened. and Ever. <laughs> ever. <laughs> Honestly. And- Crazier than the Titanic sinking. <laughs> Crazier than what else? Uh, Trump getting elected. Oh, am I right? I'm sad again. <laughs> but that's all it took. <laughs> was to, Trump is your trigger word. Yeah. Uh, and even if you have a vague idea uh, that a man walked on a wire across the uh, the towers of the World Trade Center. Uh, getting into the logistics of how they actually pulled it off is even more impressive. And the fact that he lived to tell about it is just insane. And luckily for the viewer, Philippe Petit is about as charismatic and weird a host of his own story as you can imagine. So this is, it's one of the most like... He feels like a French cartoon. <laughs> he really does, yes. He feels like... The, yeah. He's not afraid to be the Frenchiest he could possibly right. be <laughs> in this. And, uh, I mean, he's, he's, he's a mime in addition to being a wire walker. He's a street performer. Yeah. A, uh, a juggler. And there's a lot of, uh, great footage of him, uh, in, uh, in the seventies, uh, back when he was young, along with some recreations that they did for the film of an actor playing him, uh, to the degree where it's kind of hard to tell what the recreations are and what is the, uh, vintage footage, uh, kind of similar to that Sarah Polly documentary, Stories We Tell. Which would be on my top 100. Yeah. We, we've, look, we've talked about Sarah Polly way too much on this podcast. I know. It? I always talk about the same thing. Uh, that's cool. How do you feel about Gwyneth Paltrow and Shakespeare in Love? <laughs> And watching this movie is like watching several movies in one because it, you laugh your ass off, mm-hmm. you cry, you're, mm-hmm. you're moved, and it's like a an exciting heist film too. In fact, uh, James Marsh, the director, kind of structures it as a heist film where you kind of dive right into the middle of the story. And if you had no idea this was about a tightrope walker, uh, you really – uh, you wouldn't be sure what the heist is that they're pulling off. Right. Uh, and I think going back to, uh, Craig's first time, I definitely saw this when it came out in 2008 at the Arclight in Hollywood. Was this I is- there? No, I saw it by myself. And I feel like I maybe went back to see it a second time at oh. Arclight and took you. Actually, maybe I remember watching it for the first time on, on DVD. video. Yeah. Okay. On DVD. It was 2008. <clears throat> When I say video, that refers to DVD as well. Sure, if you're over 40. And which I am. <laughs> you are not. But uh, you'll get there someday, kid. Uh, it's a digital video disc. Right. So why, why wouldn't you call it okay, a video? Okay, move on? <laughs> uh, I know I love to get lost in semantic discussions. Yeah. 
Um, so I, I saw it at the ArcLight. I sat in my usual row, which is row C for khaki. And uh, I also have a terrible, terrible fear of heights. Yes, you do. When we went to Paris on our honeymoon, he refused to go to the top of the Eiffel Tower with me. I was in the hometown of Philippe Petit. Philippe Petit. And I, I've been to Paris three times and have not gone up even one level of the Eiffel Tower. Which is absurd. I enjoy going to the foot of it and looking up, but I, I can't imagine going up there. But flying doesn't bother you. Flying doesn't so bother me at all. the weirdest part about it. No, you're in a secure vehicle. Well, the top of the Eiffel Tower is a secure vehicle. <laughs> no, but you can. It's like, actually connected to the ground, which is completely different. Yeah, from but a you plane. could you could fall. You can fall out. But a plane can fall. Yeah, but then you just die in the plane with everybody else. You can't fall out of the plane. Oh man, that's what I. The thing that bothers me. You're a strange guy. <laughs> <laughs> the thing that bothers me is looking out and over like that that precipice. You know, and I have a vivid imagination. I can imagine what it's like to, uh, to fall over the edge. Uh, so I'm just terrified of that. I'm okay. Like, like the Sears Tower in Chicago, it's an observation booth. And so, although it's hard for me to go all the way up to the window, I, I, I tend to stay a couple of feet back. I like kind of looking out, but anything that's open air, open to the air, uh, I cannot do that. You know, what's making me laugh so hard right now? Is remembering how you almost fell when we were in London. <laughs> Where did that happen? At the Tate Modern. Oh yeah. You uh Yeah, the <laughs> heights were not involved though. But you almost fell and it was the funniest thing I've seen. <laughs> well, I was walking toward like a really cool art exhibit. Okay, you you were acting like a nine year old would at a museum where you were just like you saw this. It was like on a table. It was, it was like, like a, a model of a city. Yeah, and you like walked towards it like you wanted to touch it. And I was thinking, oh god, please don't touch it, please don't touch it. And you didn't see the rope. There's like a trip wire on the ground. <laughs> it's like booby booby trapped. But of course, because it's, it's a work of art, it's 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 roped off. It's like set apart from anything, and you're, you're not supposed to get close to it. But I just did not, for some reason, see this thing on the ground. <laughs> and then you tripped a little bit. I tripped a little bit. <laughs> but I thought you were going to fall face forward into, into the, the art. <laughs> and I couldn't stop laughing. <laughs> I can't stop laughing still. And yeah. then when we went to the Doctor Who experience in Cardiff, you touched something they told you not to. What did I touch? You touched something, um, whatever that time box is, the little time box with uh -huh. all the gadgets on it. And they were like, don't touch anything. We want to preserve these things. And they open the door and Craig immediately walks in and touches it. Ah, uh, we've been to a lot of museums. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it was my goal to touch at least one thing in every museum <laughs> that we went to. Uh, I'm sorry. You can cut this part out. No, it's no. It's just making me laugh. No, it's it's in there. So I uh, – back to Man on Wire. Uh, I, I just remember that it was an exhilarating experience seeing it in the theater by myself. And it was terrifying. Um, the The heights <laughs> in this mm -hmm. movie, which interestingly enough for the most part – uh, they're just still photographs. There is no uh, film footage of him doing the wire walk. 
Um, which is crazy in this day and age, of course, like everybody would be recording it on their cell phones. Right. So there's something about this incredible accomplishment that there's only a few still photographs of him doing it, uh, to prove it that makes it even more beautiful. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a way. Well, I think that's credit to his ability to tell the story and to his friends and co-conspirators to recount what happened. Like all of them are really interesting they are. people. His girlfriend who, she, you know, she self-proclaims that she was very shy and didn't really have her own voice. But like in this documentary, she's much older now, of course. And I think she does such a great job of describing him and the circumstances and what was driving him. She actually says that as much as he was being driven by, you know, the art of just doing the tightrope walking, he was also obsessed with the feeling that he was getting like he was about to pull off a bank robbery. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was such a great description. And that's what you feel when you're watching the movie. It does feel like a heist film in that sense. Yeah. I, every, I agree that everybody's very interesting. Uh, and they're all, you know, middle age is this 34 years after the, uh, the events in the movie. So they're middle aged people, but they would have been in their twenties and thirties, you know, and they're, you know, they were kind of mischievous, you know? Yeah. So it's like, it's fun to talk, talk to these middle aged folks, you know, about kind of their reckless, uh, younger years of getting away with something. And nobody's apologetic, which is really nice. Yeah. Like nobody... I don't know. It's just like nice to watch a bunch of people having done something <laughs> together that was maybe illegal. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and like not be sorry about it. Yeah. He's got some French co-conspirators, which is Jean-Louis and Jean-Francois. And, uh, Annie was his girlfriend at the time. And, uh, then there's an American guy who helped him, uh, figure out how to rig the wire up there. Uh, and he was too scared. Uh, well, not too scared of like he, uh, he was scared for Philippe and he couldn't bring himself to go up and help, uh, with the towers. And then they hired like these two like stoner goons, <laughs> uh, two American guys to help them too, who didn't speak any French. The French guys didn't really speak any English. Uh, one of those guys was played by Ben Schwartz in the, the movie, uh, The Walk. Oh, yeah. Uh, which, uh, I should mention that The Walk is kind of the slightly, I don't know how much it's fictionalized, but it's the, uh, the fictional version of, uh, of Man on Wire done by Robert Zemeckis a few years later with Joseph Gordon Levitt as, uh, Philippe Petit. And it's a very good movie, mm-hmm. but I think it's still, and the, the great thing is that Zemeckis, you know, is kind of the visual master. And we saw this in IMAX 3D too, yeah. which just kind of added to the terror. Uh, you, you get the full Monty there, mm-hmm. uh, of him walking across the wire multiple times looking down and it's so well done. But for some reason, man on wire still works better. Yeah. Um, than telling it with actors. Uh, well, I just think. as a story, because it feels more, um, it's so funny because the documentary actually feels more like a f- film structure than the film does. Um, because they go back into his like past and give a lot of autobiographical information. Just had two strokes. Autobiographical. Um, that you don't really need in yeah, order to, whole- and he, and Philippe is so charismatic yeah. that in the documentary, you don't need to know why or how. Um, and they went into that too much in the other film. I think. Yeah. 
And Joseph Gordon-Levitt is one of our most charismatic actors, too. And somehow he doesn't hold a candle to the real Philippe. Right. And, uh, yeah, it goes in this whole thing of Ben Kingsley training him to be a wire walker and everything. And in this, uh, you, it doesn't really cover his childhood or his teen years or how he learned to get good at it. Well, it makes him feel more magical in that sense, I think. Yeah. Uh, so the first half of the movie is kind of jumping back and forth, like giving the background. It shows him, uh, walking between, uh, the towers of, uh, Notre Dame in Paris. It shows him walking the Sydney Harbor Bridge, uh, in Australia. And there is some footage of, uh, each of those two things. Uh, so he had pulled off these other smaller coups, uh, beforehand, and it was his obsession to do the World Trade Center ever since he heard that they're being built. And it kind of juxtaposes that with footage of, uh, stock footage of them assembling the towers. Like, I can't even imagine what it's like to build the biggest skyscraper in the world of like the amount of work right. that went into that. So that's kind of fascinating to see that building going up too. And so he would do, fly over to the States and do these reconnaissance missions to learn uh, about the towers and to figure out how he was going to be able to do this thing. Uh, he, he posed as a French journalist. He posed as a construction worker. And at one point he steps on a nail and uh, punctures his foot. And so he has this foot injury and then he's on crutches. Uh, and then he was worried that we kind of put a, uh, a hamper in a damper in or a hamper in, uh-huh. uh, in his plans. But instead he's like, and the world suddenly has opened up to me. I have crutches now. Everyone is nice to me. Yeah. They were like letting him into places he wouldn't have been able to get into Absolutely. if he hadn't been on crutches. He's just taking the elevator up to the roof of the World Trade Center, which is under construction at the time and getting unlimited access uh, to that. It's fascinating. Uh, also like, I mean, there was still security at the time, but it would be nowhere near what it is now. Yeah. Um, I love the description that his, um, uh, I don't know, his friends, I guess, uh, give of like, he just wraps you up into his world. And you really can tell that when you see him, um, speaking on the film, he's like one of those people that you meet and you, meet these people just every once in a while who like charms the pants off you and you just buy it no matter how crazy it is. So you know who he's like? Uh-oh. Preston Tucker. Oh. <laughs> Preston Tucker of Tucker the Man in His Dream. Oh, yeah, As yeah. Martin Lando says in the movie, I caught your dreams. Oh, uh, yeah. That he's this charismatic figure who kind of wraps people up uh, in his world and uh, and they, they do his bidding. Uh, and then in some ways he's also a little like Lenny. Uh, and that, you know, somebody who's really good at what he does, but is also kind of monomaniacal and maybe to an extent like shuts out the, the loved ones in his life in order to, uh, you know, carry out his obsession. He doesn't seem mean though. No. Philippe doesn't seem, I, I mean, I don't know him personally, <laughs> but, um, he just seems so good natured and, uh, yeah. And I just think it's so moving how, the way that he talks about the wire and how just the idea that this is like his life's work and he talks about if he dies, it's okay because he's living his passion in the moment and he's okay with dying that way. And I think as a viewer, the reason that it, it's so, um, it draws you in so much is because everybody wants that in their lives. They want that thing that, 
pushes them forward and that thing that they can be obsessed with and their, their purpose. And many of us, you know, don't know that we have that purpose or that, um, that fire that, you know, pushes you forward in life. And so it's cool to, it's really moving to watch this man go through that and retell that and relive that. And also on top of that, to hear all of the people surrounding him and how they felt his dream too. Yeah. Uh, and how they were living through him. It was their job to help him do this. And they were obsessed with it because they knew he could do it. Even though it was this crazy thing, he could do it. They believed in him. Yeah. There's a couple of sequences that come to mind. I think, uh, he kind of talks about, I think when he's talking about the Sydney bridge, he's like, you have to take it seriously because it's life and death. Right. Um, and then one of, uh, one of the American guys, you know, who was just kind of getting to know him, uh, described like, uh, how when he would start walking across the wire, just like the, the little practice wire, which is only like four feet off the ground or whatever, like his face would become a mask, like this impermeable mask and like the level of concentration needed. And just the idea that the wire that's a thousand feet in the air is the same wire, you know, that's four feet in the air and it's right. the same process. And all it is is studying. Yeah, he talks about it as a study of the wire. Yeah. Um, just like one step at a time going across and it's exactly the same. And when he was walking, first of all, uh, like some of the things you learn of like, he, he didn't just walk once from one tower to the other. He did eight crosses. I know. <laughs> Which actually the, the Joseph Gordon Levitt movie does a great job of showing that part of how he gets, <clears throat> you know, in his own little world. He decides world. to turn around. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, he just, he feels like he's up there by himself. He lays down on the wire. He laid down on it. <laughs> it's insane. He, he also uh, bent down. He like kneeled and prayed. And yeah, like, yeah. It's, um, insane. I loved the part of the documentary too, where, cause you brought up the idea of like, it's the same wire, even if it's a thousand feet in the air, four feet in the air, but how, when part of his preparation for, um, doing this at the world trade center was they took a helicopter up and got above the wire yes. so that he had the sense of like, uh, being above where he was going to be so it didn't feel as scary and that made so much sense to me it feels like yes of course you would do that because you have to part of all of this is just tricking your mind into thinking that it's okay and so if you are higher than you're going to be uh then you know that you can be lower than that (laughs) it's just like this stupid mind trick to play on yourself that i can totally relate to yeah all all the all the details are so well handled. It's it's a really exciting movie yeah. to, to watch. And And it's reasonably uh timed. The length <laughs> is very reasonable. Yeah. It's about an hour and a half. Yeah. yeah, one of the shorter movies on Craigslist. And uh it's one of the most like directed documentaries that I can think of. Like it's very cinematic, you know. It's more exciting than a lot of fictional films. Yeah. Um James Marsh, the director, uh, also did Project Nim, which is that documentary about the chimpanzee that they taught hu- oh, human yeah. language to. And I, that's a one-timer. Like, it was a great documentary, but it's such a sad story. It's so you, sad. You could never watch it. Uh, I'm here to tell you, Carla. I know. I know the story. I read about it. Yeah. It's devastating. It's an off, it's an awful story. Um, but, uh, but that was great. And he also did The Theory of Everything. Oh. The movie that Eddie Redmayne won the Oscar for uh, playing Stephen Hawking. And he's got a movie coming out, uh, another biographical film 
um, with Colin Firth and Rachel Weisz. What? So you'll be seeing that one. I will. You love the Firth. I love him. Uh, let's get into some Carlos quotes. Let's do it. Uh, one of the fun of watching a slightly older uh, movie is watching old trailers. <laughs> so a bunch of trailers <laughs> popped up for uh, whatever Magnolia Films was uh, pushing back in 2008. And uh, a couple that I do not remember at all, a uh, Barry Levinson movie called What Happened Was with Robert De Niro as like a yeah. movie producer. Some indie um, that completely went over my head and a couple of documentaries that I did see. Um, but Carla was like, those must have all been really good movies. Because <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard of any of them. <laughs> when the credits started rolling for uh, for this one, Carla, uh, for some reason, just started uh, talking with a bad French accent. Men on wire. This is how he talks the whole time. I am a man on wire. <laughs> Uh, that was a good French accent that you just. Oh, made. thank you, thank you. Uh, it was pouring yesterday in Virginia. Yeah, and rain, uh, pouring rain, pouring rain. What else would it pour? Um, anger, <laughs> <laughs> tears. <laughs> it was pouring tears yesterday in Virginia. Um, but uh, there milk? was some there pouring was some, milk. Yeah, there was some uh, <laughs> rain in the movie, and Carla said, "Weird, it's raining on screen, and it's raining outside. Are we in the movie?" <laughs> Yep, we were. Carla was immediately punchy. Started watching this movie, and then as the uh, the names of the conspirators appear on screen, Carla would start saying them uh, with a French with her French accent again. Jean Louis, Jean Louis, Jean Louis, Jean Louis. Everything uh, sounds like a question. Uh, Jean Louis. <laughs> and then most of the French uh, people do not speak English, so they're subtitled uh, throughout the movie. Uh, but at one point, uh, Annie is talking and, uh, she's using, you know, duh, uh, and then Carla's like, duh, duh, duh. Is she stuttering? <laughs> <laughs> duh, uh, is it, is it duh, uh, duh? Uh, here's a Bob's quote. Uh, my dad, who is cooking most of the time watching this movie, he's making us lunch. Uh, he goes, man on a wire. <laughs> Man on a wire. And of course my mom was like, Bob, it's man on wire. No A. Uh, that's a man on a wire. <laughs> it's such a fun title. Uh, Annie, who was quite young when she met, uh, is like, it was quite clear that I had to follow his dream. And Carla goes, oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I felt bad for her. And then you have some footage of uh, Annie and Philippe uh, walking the wire together, and he's kind of uh, holding her and protecting her. Uh, and my mom goes, uh, picture Bob and Martha. <laughs> <laughs> what did she mean by that? I think just that, that you can never see them uh, doing that, doing something <laughs> uh, that dangerous, I think. I don't know. I don't know. Who knows what she meant <laughs> by that? But uh, that's what I would guess. Um, and then, <laughs> this is maybe some of the ways that Carla censored herself. You know, she wasn't as dirty as she might have been otherwise <laughs> just watching this at home. Uh, <laughs> there was a, a thing when uh, Annie talked about uh, he showed me his wire. <laughs> 
And then when my parents were in the kitchen and out of earshot, Carla whispers to me, when she said he showed me his wire, I wanted to say, yeah, he did. <laughs> I would never say that in front of your parents. Uh, when he says, if I die, what a beautiful death. Carla says, he's a lunatic. <laughs> And then when they have the footage of the Sydney Harbor Bridge, Carla's like, I would have driven off that bridge if I had seen that. I would have been like, <laughs> my reality is shattered. How is he walking across the air? Seriously, how did he not cause a million accidents underneath him? Well, you could see that it stopped traffic. Yeah. You know? Like, uh, I would have just been like, what's... Because you can't really see the rope. Yeah. You it just, just looks like he's floating through the air. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. Um. Oh. One of the guys, uh, the American guys that they hire chickened out, like they, he got all the way up and then they're hiding from the, like the security guards. And then he's like, I can't do this. At and the Fli- very last minute, he's like, he, I can't do this. I can't do this. And, and Philippe is like, okay, fine, go. And, uh, and he tells the story of just like, I was never happier in my life than like running down those stairs <laughs> back to freedom. And it's so funny. And Carla's like, that guy is me in this story. <laughs> I would totally be into it until we got to the top. And then I'd be like, what am I doing? <laughs> uh, when he has that thing of like, I'm a man with crutches. The universe is mine. Carla's like, that's what I'm missing. Crutches. <laughs> <laughs> you feel like your life would be way easier if you had crutches? Maybe. <laughs> they get into kind of a technical explanation for how when they hook up the wire, uh, they've got to have those two other like support wires that are under it that keep right. it from like bending and bouncing and everything. And he, he kind of does it with a little model of the, the trade centers and a little pink, uh, string. Yeah. Uh, and Carla goes, ugh, geometry. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's explaining why you need all the wires and how they have to be at a certain angle. Snooze. <laughs> the team almost quit. Uh, and Carla's like, but he's a man on a wire. He's jacked up and ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> you can't leave him. Uh, Jean-Louis, uh, present day, is uh, is got gray hair but dark eyebrows. <laughs> and Carla's like, you think he dyes his eyebrows? <laughs> uh. <laughs> and... Uh, what else? Uh, uh, je ne sais, je ne sais, sous ce, ce qu'on dessine, français. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jean-Louis tears up a couple times. Uh, first of all, just kind of remembering the walk itself and how beautiful it was. And the other kind of like, uh, feeling bad that his friendship with Philippe kind of ended afterwards and carla goes what a cry baby <laughs> although i was talking about myself because he made me cry oh okay i thought you were talking about him or maybe i was talking about him but i still cried <laughs> so the, perhaps the cry baby was you maybe it was in reaction to being embarrassed about crying uh that's it for carla's quotes I really like the the score for this movie is very good too. Apparently, it was not written for the movie, but it's lifted from uh, mostly from one composer who wrote a bunch of stuff for the uh, British director Peter Greenaway, who did a lot of experimental uh, films. Uh huh. Um, so I, I don't remember the name of the composer, but uh, I really like all the music that they use. Yeah, it's very effective in it. 
and uh some like great like magical realism too like in the recreations uh when they show them kind of ringing the wire on top there's like the the night that kind of it looks like they're kind of like floating in the night sky and the stars are kind of floating above them we see them like in silhouette like going up the stairs of like so some of the recreations are done in a very kind of cool and animated way so carla you want to give this a uh, letter grade yeah i'm gonna give it an a nice for what Acrophobia. Uh, <laughs> this is a man on a wire <laughs> a man on a wire a for a man on a wire so yeah. you really enjoyed this i really did yeah it, I already knew it, though. This is the third time I've seen this movie. I like this movie a lot. Yeah. It's one of those documentaries you can really watch again and again. Yep. If you haven't seen it, uh, I recommend it highly. Uh, you want to do a little khaki theater? Yeah. What are we going to do? Well, one of the weirdest details of the story is that when he uh, – well, first of all, the cops – the only reason he really got off is because, uh, or got off the wire, that is, <laughs> I'm about to talk about him getting off, um, is that the, the cops are coming by in a helicopter and, uh, Jean-Louis and Jean-Francois were afraid, uh, that, that the helicopter might literally blow, blow him, him over. Blow yeah. him over. Uh, and so they were kind of worried for his safety. That and seemed so, like such a rookie move on the cops' parts. Yeah. Uh, and Just, the, like, wait it out. He has to get off the wire at some point. <laughs> so, you know, finally the New York Police Department uh, get gets him uh, out of this. And that's where the title of the movie comes from, by the way, The Police Report. Said uh, man on wire. Said man on wire. <laughs> as yeah. if it was just a singular crime that they couldn't come up with any uh, description for. Uh, but uh, there's kind of a media frenzy right away. Uh, and then he just has this one night stand with some random woman who's like, do you want to be the first, uh, or can I be the first person to sleep with you after you've like pulled off yeah. this thing? Um, so I'm curious as to what their conversation might be like. It might've gone a little something like this. I'm going to be Philippe. <laughs> okay, fine. You're Philippe? Yes. Okay. I don't want to be a lady. <laughs> I'm always trying to sleep with somebody. Okay. In khaki theater. Okay. You try to sleep with me this time. Okay. <laughs> oh my, that was uh, amazing. I am a god. I am a god on wire. Uh, excuse me. Uh, you don't know me. My name's Michelle. Oh, Michelle? Michelle? <laughs> yeah, I guess Michelle, it's... my bear? Sans ces mon qui vont très bien ensemble. Um, I know the song too. Uh, look, you don't know me from Adam. No, I do not, but I would like to. That's Adam over there, by the way. He's my boyfriend. Bonjour, Adam. Hey, how you doing, man? Uh, my lady wants to sleep with you. Uh, we take a nap? <laughs> no, come on, man. You know, you know what she's talking uh, about. I have a girlfriend. I, you know, I mean, I had this amazing moment in the air. Yeah, but where, where is she I now? I'm flying, where? but you know, I have a girlfriend and... Where is she now? I'm Good here. point. I'm going to sleep with her. Michelle, let's do it. All right. Uh, I'll wait, I'll wait downstairs, Michelle. Are we going to do it right here? No, we're going to go up to my room. Oh. And it, it's going to be like real, real rapid fire. Michelle, I have to warn you, I do not use protection ever. I am very unprotected. 
This is how I live my life by the seat of my pants. You're dangerous. Oh, wow. That's, I just want to know what it's like to, to F someone who's been a thousand feet in the air. Do you know what it is like to be on a rocket going to the moon? No. Well, you were about to learn. Show me what that's like. Show me what that's like, Philippe. I'm going to put a baby in you. Okay. I don't, I don't want a baby. (laughs) Oh, Michelle. Do not ever tell my Annie. I'll tell her, but you may not tell her. I don't know her. I wouldn't. I would never tell her. Are we doing it now? Yes. This is how, this okay. is the rocket. Okay. This is the rocket okay. going to the moon. All right. Are you in me now? Scene. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Good job. Good job. That was that was fun. Was it? Little role reversal. Little gender bending. I threw that one out at you at the last second. Okay, so this got an A from Carla. <laughs> I think that's uh, the third A so far. Is it? What were the other two? Sweet Hereafter and Dog Day Afternoon. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think Return of the King got an A minus. Nice. Okay. Nice job, Carla. Well, let's see what happens next week then. Because uh, we've got a, a Clint Eastwood movie. Boo. <laughs> Unless it's Bridges of Madison County. Why would Bridges of Madison <laughs> County be on the list? Because it's a good movie. That has the saddest scene of any movie. Which is what? Of any romantic movie, I should say. The scene at the end where he's in the car behind her and her husband, and she knows she has the choice to leave her husband and go with Clint Eastwood or to stay and be a good wife and mm-hmm. do her duty. Mm-hmm. And Meryl Streep is amazing, and she's just sobbing. But like quietly sobbing so her husband doesn't know right. and her hands on the doorknob and she's trying to decide if she's going to go or not. Oh, it's devastating. Wow. Based on that description alone, that movie might find its way <laughs> onto Craigslist. Oh, it's so sad. But she has to stay because she's a wife and a mother. She can't leave her kids. That's not – that wouldn't have been right. I just spoiled it for you. Well, the movie – I've seen the movie, but it's oh. been it's been years. Uh, the movie we're going to be watching this week – is uh 1992's best picture winner forgive me <laughs> <laughs> forgive me no <laughs> no it's the answer to that to that statement forgive me unforgiven <laughs> did you really think the movie was called forgive me <laughs> no i was setting you up to say unforgiven unforgiven is the movie i'm a comedian i set you up <laughs> It's a Western starring Clint Eastwood. Uh, uh, and a, The Rock. And The Rock. <laughs> As a rock. Uh, the rock I've pl- seen Unforgiven. Uh-huh. But it's been so long ago, I don't remember one thing about it. Really? You but t- I remember I liked it. Okay. Do you remember who else is in it? Uh, Michelle Pfeiffer. <laughs> no. <laughs> Jodie Foster. No. There's no ladies in it. Mel well, there Gibson. are There are ladies in it, but no well-known ladies. Mel Gibson. No. Uh, Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Academy Award winner Gene Hackman is in it. I like him. He won. He won the lot. Best Supporting Actor for this movie. Uh, the late Richard Harris, Dumbledore. I like him. Is in it a lot. Uh, Morgan Freeman. I was gonna say Morgan Freeman because yeah. he's a Clint Eastwood buddy. He sure is. Uh, another one of our favorites. Does uh, he have a voiceover in this one? They were all unforgiven. <laughs> 
<laughs> All right. I'm excited to see this one. Okay, cool. I'll watch it again. So we're going to watch it on the road and we'll record on the road and we'll get that one out next Wednesday for you folks. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to Craigslist. The list is an absolute good. The list is life. <laughs>